Father, I want to thank you for this morning and just my heart's filled with joy today because of what you told Joshua so many thousands of years ago and I got to read this morning that just as you were with Moses, so you'll be with me. So you'll be with us. So we should be strong and courageous, Lord, knowing that you'll never leave us or forsake us. God, I praise you for that. Thank you for how you've made your presence known among us already today. And Lord, I'm asking that in these moments that follow that you'd be glorified as we study your word. Teach us, Father, from your word what you'd have us to know and do today. And Lord, I pray not only for those of us in this room, I pray for those kids and those those individuals who are working to share Jesus with those kids and teach your word to those kids. I pray that they would experience the fullness of your power. And Lord, right now, would you please, would you tap on a few hearts in this room? I pray that there'd be dozens of people in this room who would feel stirred right now by your Holy Spirit to serve in ministry to children. Certainly kids' worship is a place where they could be a part of and we could use them right now. Right now, we could use them, and that's not the only place. And so, Lord, I pray you would stir right now by your spirit dozens of people. And, Lord, I pray those that have felt some sense of stirring or even questioning right now, they, after the service, they would go speak with Pastor Brian um, about how they can be a part of your work among the kids of this church and this community. Lord, I pray not only for ourselves, but for First Baptist Barefoot Bay. Lord, may Pastor Rick be filled with the knowledge of your word. I pray he would know and love and live and proclaim the one and only gospel of Jesus. I pray those people would live on mission this week. God, I pray that there would be a great work among the churches of this community. And I do ask for Orsino, Pastor Monty, that church family, that they'd experience your provision in the repairs that are to be made uh, to their building. And Lord, I also pray that in this time that you would remind them in powerful and, and very tangible ways that the church is so much more, not even a building. And I pray they would experience your power as a people, even as you meet their needs in their location. Lord, we love you and we need you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen, amen. So if you would turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter four. Jonah chapter four, we're gonna finish this series uh, on Jonah. We've been here, this will be now the fourth week. And so I decided to start this week a little bit differently than we normally do. I'm actually gonna start with a pop quiz. Isn't that cool? So it's gonna be a pop quiz today. Uh, For those of you that get uh, all the answers right, you get a 1% deduction on your tithe. So we're really, no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I would never do anything like that. Um, Here's the deal is I'm gonna ask you, don't don't answer out loud because that would be cheating. And this is church, okay? So uh, don't don't answer out loud. You don't don't wanna blurt the answers out. So here's how we're gonna do this. I'll ask a question and I'll give you two options, okay? Two options. Maybe three. We'll start off with a warm up in a second. But here's how you'll answer. Uh, just raise your hand if you think it's the first answer. You just put up, you know, the, you know, put up one finger there. This one right here. Uh, and and if you think it's 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 option two, just two, right? That's that's what you do. Let's just see if you guys can get this. Um, I'll start with a warm up question. Here's the question. All right, get ready to answer. Are the Florida Gators one better than the Florida State Seminoles? Two, I said, don't blurt it out. Two, worse than the Florida State Seminoles. That seems laughable, doesn't it? Uh, Or number three, we'll we'll make this tricky, three. Number three, just as bad as the Miami Hurricanes. 
okay, so, so better than the Florida State Seminoles, one. Worse than the Florida State Seminoles, two. Just as bad as the Miami Hurricanes, three. Go ahead and try. Let me see this. Let me see, put those hands up. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, lots of, lots of ones, lots of ones. Let's see. Fias, what you, Dr. Ayub, number one. Okay, number three. Okay, he's a Miami Hurricane fan, the one and only. Okay, so that was a good practice. That was a good practice. Uh, some of you um, know how to raise your hand. Good job. Way to go, everybody. Let's get started on the real quiz. Are you ready? Seriously, though, are you ready? Okay, let's get this going. Here's the first question. Is God, now think about your options. Option one is God, one, an angry ogre who wants to strike people down. Or two, a loving father who wants to raise people up by rescuing them from their sin. Okay, what's your answer? One or two, put your hands up. Don't, don't yell it out. Okay, I see most everybody. Seriously, you're going on record. We have cameras in the room and we are going to, okay, all right, yeah. Number two is the right answer. Did you guys get it right? Did you guys give yourselves a hand? Way to go, way to go. All right, here's the second question. Is God, number one, quick to get angry at the slightest mistake? Or two, incredibly patient and slow to anger even when we are really, really messed up? Is it one or two? Quick to get angry, one. Slow to anger, patient. Number two, okay, I see lots of, lots of, okay, yes. All right. Okay, someone was doing this, and okay, that's a two. I just want you to lock in your answer, because this counts. (laughs) Answer two, all right? Answer two. I think you guys did a great job. Awesome. Okay, number three, number three. Is God, one, using his power to get back at people who have strayed from him? Or... Number two, is God using his power to get people back from their straying? Number one, number two, what do you think? Number one or number two, you guys are killing it, way to go. You're way better than I tell all the other pastors of this community. I mean, this is incredible. Seriously, I wish we streamed our video, our services live. That's the whole reason we don't. We never know what you're gonna say or do. Good job, it's number two, number two. Okay, here's the fourth. Here's the fourth question. Is God, number one, okay, here you go. Oh, I, <laughs> this is tricky. Is God, one, more interested in saving Americans who look, act, and think like you? Or, number two, is he passionate about saving people from every nation on earth and every walk of life? Go ahead, get those answers up. Number one or two. Are you sure? You really believe that based on some conversations I've had? Okay, way to go. Seriously, good job. It's number two. It's number two. Okay, here's the last question. Number five. Okay, does God's plan for you, does God's plan for you, one, stop once you know all of those things, or two, include you telling those things to other people that he's passionate about saving. Stop when you know all of those things, that's one. Or two, include you telling other people. You're going on record, hands up. What are they, number one, number two? I think a lot of you aren't raising your hands. I don't know, this is, does this feel tricky? Okay, this is good, I'm glad we're having this. All right, it's number two, it's number two. Okay, so here's the story. Great job, based upon a very scientific survey, uh, I can say that this room is almost unanimously in agreement 
about certain things about God, which is awesome because I was honestly a little nervous coming into this morning. But here, let me just summarize, just in case you forgot the questions. Here's what we say in this room, almost unanimously, what it is that we know about God. We say we know that God is a loving father who wants to raise up and rescue broken, sinful people. We say that we know he is incredibly patient and slow to anger, even on Courtney Parkway. We say he is using his infinite power to get people back from their straying and that he's passionate about people who are like us and who are not like us. Asians, Africans, Europeans, Latinos, rich, poor, young, old, Republicans, and Am I going to say this out loud? (laughs) Democrats and even communists, heterosexuals and members of the LGBT community and all people from every walk of life. And we say we know that his plan to reach and rescue them includes you telling them the truth about him. That's what we just said we know about God. And I want you to know something. It is super important that we know those things about God because they're absolutely true. Some of you who've come here and maybe you, you literally, you genuinely would not know how to answer those questions. My heart was not at all to belittle you. My heart was to say out loud and openly to you, God is a God who is filled with mercy and grace. And he is patient. He's slow to anger, even for really messed up people. He's abounding in steady unchanging, unfailing love, and he relents from disaster. He relents from doing harm to people who have done harm to him. That's who God is. And I want you all to know that. And I'm glad that most all of you say you know that. It's super important to know that, but here's the story. You need to hear this this lesson from Jonah. Because here's what this morning is all about as we come to the end of this great story. And I wish you, this is the big idea. It is essential that we know the heart of God, but it is not enough for us to know God's heart. God wants his people to love his heart and share his heart and reflect his heart and have his heart. Did you hear that? It is essential that we know God's heart, but it's not enough for us to know God's heart. God wants you to love his heart, to share his heart, to reflect his heart, to have his heart in his world. That's the lesson of the book of Jonah. 
That's what this last chapter is all about. Go to Jonah chapter four. I'm actually gonna start reading here in Jonah chapter three at the very last verse, verse 10. Let's just make our way to the end of this book. Jonah chapter three, verse 10 says, when God saw what they, the Ninevites did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. Look at verse one, chapter four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Now, just stop there. I think Jonah 3 was a great place to end the book, all right? These people, an entire city repents and turns to God. Men, women, and children are being transformed. Jonah is finally in the place where God told him to be. It would seem like that's the perfect ending to a really good story. But since this isn't a make-believe story and it's real life, the story ends where the story actually went. And so it continues this this behind-the-scenes look into the life of the preacher at the greatest revival that the Old Testament has seen. And it's an amazing twist on the story. Jonah preaches a terrible sermon, as bad as any I've ever preached. The whole city actually repents at this terrible sermon and even the cows are getting right with God. It's incredible, (laughs) seriously. And Jonah is beside himself with anger. I mean, seriously, can you imagine if Jonah was your pastor and you hear the word of God and you respond with joy and gladness and I'm like, dang it! What are these people doing? There's Jonah. In fact, he's so mad, he wants to die. And look what, look what happens. Verse one, again, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful. Sound familiar? I, I knew this about you, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Stop right there. What a guy, right? Man, what a guy. Here's one thing I'll give Jonah, all right? At least he's honest. At least he says it out loud. Just think about what Jonah just prayed to God. He goes to God, literally confronts almighty God. And what he says is basically this. God, I knew you'd do something like this. Like I knew it. That's the whole reason I fled in the opposite direction in the first place. I knew you'd show these people grace and I didn't want them to be shown grace. I knew you'd show these people mercy and I I didn't want them to be shown mercy. I knew you'd be patient with them in all of their wickedness and sin. And I wanted them wiped off the face of the earth. I knew you were so full of love, God, that you would actually love on them. And I could not stand the thought of a holy God loving on people like them. I knew you would not condemn them if they would just turn to you. I knew you would be patient and I wanted them to be blasted by a thousand lightning bolts, God. I knew you would do something like this. So kill me now, because I'd rather die than live in a world where people like that get grace, mercy, patience, love, and blessing from a holy God. That's what he said. I hope you realize what I'm emphasizing there. Jonah 
over and over and over again is saying, I know these things. I know who you are. I know your heart. And as he knows those things, we get a clear lesson. Knowing those things is important, but knowing the heart of God isn't enough because Jonah knows God's heart and he still hates his enemies so much he would rather die than live in a world where God shows them grace. He knows the beautiful truth about who God is. It's incredible truth. He's not making this stuff up. Do you know where Jonah got verse two that he prayed to God? He got it out of Exodus 34 when Moses says, God, show me your glory. And God says, you can't stand my glory. And so he says, why don't you go hide in a rock? I'll cover you up. I'll pass by. And as God passes by, Moses there in Exodus, I think it's 34, the, 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 the proclamation is the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, full of mercy and grace, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster, forgiving the iniquities of people. That's who God says he is. Jonah says, God, I knew who you are. And yet Jonah realizes way too late that knowing who God is is essential, but it is not enough because he still sits out this city. And he looks out at these people who are not like him. And the only thing that I can fathom about Jonah hating the Ninevites is he hates the Ninevites because they're Ninevites. Because they're not like him. He's a racist bigot sitting outside of a city filled with people not like him saying, I'd rather die than see sinners like that get grace. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through this chapter, the rest of it, and I want you to see how God exposes the heart of a guy like that. We're gonna see God get to the heart of what's really going on in Jonah. God comes to him in verse four, you guys read that, and he says, do you do well to be angry? Basically, he's saying, hey, Jonah, you think this is a good idea, bro? Like, you really wanna stick with your answer? And what we see next is, is him opening then Jonah's heart. Look what he says to open Jonah's eyes to his own heart. Look at verse five. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city, made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Okay, stop right there. Jonah goes outside the city, sits down to see what actually happens in the city. Perhaps he thought that the Ninevites' repentance would be as short-lived as his own from chapter two. And he thinks, maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe God will destroy them after all. Whatever reason, he sits down, pops a bowl of popcorn to watch the show. Now, Nineveh is in northern Iraq, so it gets to be about 120 degrees out there. And as he's sitting in the shade, he's thinking, man, this is really uncomfortable out here. So he builds a little bit of like a booth, a tent out there, and he he looks out over the city, builds this booth, and then God does something really cool. He causes this vine to grow up over top the shelter to provide even more shade for Jonah. And I want you to notice that when when he's outside of his, his, his discomfort, when he gets comfortable, in his, in his little booth here, look how he responds. Verse six says, he was exceedingly glad. I hope you notice that the language there in verse six mirrors the language from verse one. Remember when, when God shows grace to the Ninevites, it says in verse one, Jonah's exceedingly displeased. 
So as angry as Jonah is about God showing grace to Ninevites, the pendulum swings all the way to the other exact opposite extreme, and he's exceedingly glad when God gives him comfort and grace. He's showing us this massive mood swing in Joseph, other P, or Joseph and Jonah. I'm just glad I didn't call him Noah again. He shows this mood swing in Jonah all the way over here. God shows other people I don't like, other people who aren't like me. He shows them mercy and grace. I can't stand it. I'm very displeased. Oh, God makes a vine come up over my head and gives me some shade. Woo, I want to live again, right? Here's Jonah. So the first time in the book, Jonah's actually happy about something. And it's not that people are shown grace and mercy and are repenting and turning to God. It's that he gets a little break from the heat. All right, let's look at verse seven. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. Stop right there. I absolutely love it when God does this. That's the little Jonah in me. He makes this plant grow up and then he makes a little worm come in the middle of the night and wake up in the morning and eat the plant. I'm pretty sure that the Hebrew tradition is that that worm was related to chinch bugs because I got those in my backyard. They destroyed everything overnight. I hate chinch bugs. Anyhow, so something like that. Jonah's chinch bug comes to his vine and destroys it overnight and the drama queen prophet is back to his old trip, tricks by the end of, of verse eight. He says this at ver- the end of verse eight and he asked that he might die. And said, it's better for me to die than to live. Did you hear that? Hold on. Because we just saw it. We just saw Jonah's heart. You want to know what's really going on in this guy? It's deeper than self-righteousness. It's deeper than racism. It's deeper than insensitivity. Look at what he says. It is better for me to die than to live. That's what's going on in his heart. The first five words of Jonah's declaration tell us everything we need to know about Jonah. It is better for me. Jonah wasn't in love with the plant. He was in love with himself. Pun intended, he didn't have a deep-rooted love for, for plants. He had a deep-rooted love for himself. His theme was, I love me for sentimental reasons. I hope I do believe me. I've given me my heart. I'm just saying. Just saying, I just came up with that. I'm even battling something in my throat, dude. And I, was pretty imp- I was pretty impressed by that, seriously. Hey, are we recording this? All right, cool. I love me. That's a Nat King Cole song. Anyhow, so that's Jonah's heart right there. I love me some me. That's Jonah's problem. Jonah suffered from something that has plagued the human race since the very first sin. It's a disease called it's better for me syndrome. He can only think and feel and look at a world through the lens of what's best for me. It's better for me. What's good for me? He's not opposed to God being merciful and gracious. You realize that? 
He's not at all opposed to God showing mercy and grace to broken, rebellious, sinful people. He was praising God for that in chapter two in the belly of the fish. He's not opposed to God showing mercy and grace so long as God's mercy and grace benefits him. It's better for me. He didn't, he didn't mind people like Jeroboam from Second Kings. Second Kings. It's apocryphal and it's right in between Kings and Chronicles. Pastor Fives talked about him last week. <laughs> Moving on. He didn't mind Jeroboam getting grace. Why? Because Jeroboam's a Jew like me. I don't mind when people like me get grace because they're like me. They deserve grace. He can't stand it when someone not like him or someone who doesn't benefit like him gets shown grace. Jonah's issues come from a selfish heart that knows God but isn't like God. That's where his problems come from. Jonah knew God's heart, but his heart wasn't at all like God's. Jonah couldn't fathom being inconvenienced when God wanted him to show mercy and grace to people he didn't like or people who didn't look like him. And all the while, God's mercy and grace and patience and love has never, ever, ever been convenient for God. God's mercy and grace have been displayed with great cost to himself. Do you know what it cost God to show broken, sinful people like us his mercy and grace? He had to send his one and only son into this world to live among people who would hate him and revile him and reject him. And the son of God lived the life we couldn't live, a perfect, obedient life, and we hated him to the point of murdering him Jesus died on the cross as the display of God's sacrifice on behalf of sinful, broken people like us. God has always been willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of mercy and grace. That was the price God is willing to pay with his heart to show broken, sinful people mercy and grace and rescue sinners. But Jonah couldn't even be bothered to be happy about the conversion of an entire city because it's not better for me. Selfishness had invaded and taken root in Jonah's heart. Look what God says in verse nine. But God said to Jonah, hey Jonah, do you you really do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. First of all, please don't overlook the fact that God has not annihilated Jonah. Right? He's still showing mercy and grace. If I were writing, so here's the deal. If I were writing the book of Jonah... So verse nine would end with Jonah insisting that he was justified in his anger and that he would rather die. And here's how I'd write verse 10. And the Lord saith, okay. And at that moment, a lightning bolt cometh down upon Jonah's head and the people of Nineveh think it very funny. The end. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Did you see that? But guess what? God's not like me. Maybe I should say it this way. I'm not like God. Because God is full of mercy. He's full of grace. So think about that phrase. 
He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. Can I ask you a question? How big is God? Bigger than that. He's infinite, right? He's bigger than that. Our concept can't even come up with it. How big is God? He's bigger than we could ever imagine. And in his bigness, he's full of mercy and grace. That's how much he has. He's patient and abounding in steadfast love. Look what he does in verse 10. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? God, God, God comes to Jonah in mercy and grace. And here's what he does. He graciously rubs Jonah's face in the truth. Jonah, wake up, son. You pity a plant. It existed for precisely one day. You didn't make it. You didn't grow it. You didn't think it up. You didn't even ask for it, son. But your heart broke when it died. What about this city? It's filled with people. I made them in my image. I gave them strength and ability. And I give them Every single breath they take, son, and they will exist for eternity, Jonah, somewhere. Somewhere they will exist for eternity. Should you pity this plant and I should not pity these people? It wasn't enough for Jonah to know God's heart for people. God wanted Jonah to have his heart for people, to love his heart for people, to reflect his heart toward people. And church, we cannot miss the message of Jonah. We are quick to point a finger at Jonah for his foolishness and audacity. We we talk about Jonah like he's an idiot because he had a greater sense of pity and urgency for a plant than he had for people. He would go the exact opposite way if it meant staying away from people who were not like him, that made him uncomfortable and were inconvenient to be around. We act like he's a blind fool because he cares more about himself than a city full of lost and dying people. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, let's think about this a little more clearly. The sun was beating down on Jonah and God caused a vine to block the sun, give him a little more comfort. The vine dies, Jonah flips out. Does that sound familiar? Any parallels there at all? Okay, let me say it this way. Jonah lost his air conditioning and was more concerned about getting his AC back than he was about getting the good news about God to lost and broken people for whom Christ would die. Any any, any parallel? Any any parallels? Okay, so if you don't get the parallel, I'm gonna stop beating around the bush. Let me just share something with you. A couple of weeks ago, a storm came through this community. My family and I lost electricity. Our house was out for about a week. My family and I spent the first couple days after the storm just cleaning up our yard, being out there in our yard, looking down our street. We just saw everybody in our yard. We thought, man, we love this neighborhood. Everybody's out in the yard. They're working feverishly for themselves and for each other. We're working with one another, serving one another, doing our very best, and we're checking to see, how's everybody coming through the storm? 
Everybody out of electricity like we are? And I've got to tell you, there were very few moments that we did not think about getting our electricity back on for our family and for our street. I got to tell you, I made coffee one morning on my charcoal grill. That's how bad it was at my house. Not too shabby either, was it, boo? That's what I'm talking about. Here's one thing we did. We ran a line from our neighbor's generator over to our refrigerator because God forbid we would lose that food. It's perishable. The, the food is, is perishable. What do, what, what, babe, what do, we, what do we have to do? Oh, you, 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 you want me to go over to the neighbor and see if I can draw off his generator because he had the forethought to buy one and I didn't? Okay, you'll do that? Okay, you do that, babe. Here's one thing we did. One night, we left our car running all night long so that we could plug into this outlet that our car has and power a couple of fans in our living room that would blow across us so we could get a little bit of sleep there in the middle of the night without AC. There were very few moments when we were not thinking about how to get our power back on and how we would get electricity on our street so our neighbors could get their power back on. And here's the story. If you don't see where I'm going with this, let me just, let me just go ahead and say it out loud. The point is not that we had it bad by any stretch of the imagination, not even close to our first world problems. Give me a break. The point is this. I cannot remember the last time I lived with that kind of urgency and concern for the lost people on my street. The the, the point is that I, I genuinely, naturally care more about my comfort and my convenience than I do about the souls of the men, women, and children of this community. That's just the God's honest truth. I pity the plant of my AC, my electricity. The the, the week after our electricity came back on, on a Sunday morning at three o'clock in the morning, our electricity went back off again. We had it for a whole week. Then Sunday morning I wake up. You would have you would have thought that the world had come to an end. Oh Lord, are you serious? get up and I'm thinking oh man what? we won't have white noise in our children's bedrooms with their air purifiers they may wake up oh my goodness what's going on here are you, are you kidding me I pity the plant because it represents an easier more comfortable more convenient life for me and my kids And all the while, the people of this community are approaching eternity without Jesus. The people among the nations are approaching eternity without Jesus. And let me tell you something. I know the heart of God. But I need to be saved from its better for me syndrome. Because God wants me to do more than know his heart. He wants me to have his heart. And love his heart. 
and share his heart with the people he died to save. And church, I've got to tell you, I sense God saying, I know this isn't comfortable for you. I I know this isn't convenient for you. I know you're tired when you get home. I know you've I know you're you're exhausted in the evenings. I know you want to spend time with your wife and your kids, but church, what about this city? What about our Nineveh? What about 35,000 real men, women, and children who live on this island who are far from God but near to us? What about the people down our street? What about the kids at your school? What about the men and women at your office? What about the people around the world? Brothers and sisters, I know God has a heart for this community. That's not the question. The question is, do we reflect God's heart for this community? Are you filled with mercy and grace? Are you slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? Do you want blessing and not disaster for people you disagree with, people who are wicked, people who rub you the wrong way, people who are inconvenient to be around, people who are uncomfortable to have conversations with? Do you want blessing and grace and mercy? Or do you suffer from it's better for me syndrome? Church, I've got to ask, are we willing? I know this is so hard to say in a room like this, or maybe I would say it's so easy to say in a room like this. It's so hard to live out, but are you and I willing to sacrifice, to show and to share God's mercy, grace, patience, and love with the people of this community? Or do we pity the plant? Do we have a passion for temporary things that don't matter in eternity and they make our lives a little more comfortable a little more convenient right now, but they will be gone tomorrow. Do we care more about college football or the NFL or what's going on with the NFL? Do we care more about the national conversation than we do about the the cosmic conversation of God's grace to people? Are we more devoted to giving our children the American dream than we are devoted about teaching them about God's mission for the nations? Are we more passionate about our own convenience than the items of this world like our smartphones that make us so stupid? Or the fact that tonight you're gonna go to bed and most likely someone is going to bed across the street from you and if tomorrow never comes, they will go into eternity without Christ. I've got to tell you, this book of Jonah, this message has hit me so hard. It is great that we could start off a service affirming all the things we know are true about God. What a blessing that we in this room, almost to a person, can say all those amazing true things about 
God, we can get in a room like this and we can know God's heart. And here's the truth. It's not enough for us to know God's heart. Because God desires for us to love his heart, embrace his heart, share his heart, have his heart for people that Christ died to save. So what do we do? First, receive the mercy and grace of God that's for us in Jesus. If you are here this morning and you've never called on Jesus to save you, I wanna encourage you this morning, do not leave without receiving the mercy and grace that God extends to you in Jesus. Christ died to forgive all your sin and make you right with God so that whoever would call on the name of Jesus would be saved, rescued from their own brokenness and sin. So first, receive the grace and mercy of God that is for us in Jesus. Don't leave this place without knowing Christ as your Savior. That's first. For those of us that say, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior, what's what's this message call me to do? It's not just receive the good news about Jesus. Repent like the Ninevites. Have a change of heart and mind. Let me just tell you, in in two weeks, um, I, along with our pastors and leadership team members, will be um, unveiling over five or six weeks uh, a a vision for the mission of Christ in this community. We are so excited about how God is stirring us to reach every man, woman, child in this community with repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my conviction is that God wants to use every man, woman, and child of this church to go reach every man, woman, and child of this community. And we're starting a a, a vision casting in a couple of weeks. But before we start that, the very first week will be a call. In two weeks, October 15th, it will be a call into one full week of prayer and fasting that God would stir our hearts, that we would respond to the mission of Christ with an I'm all in. So I wanna ask you, would you go ahead and prepare your hearts for that week of prayer and fasting? Begin now praying how God would call you to fast for an entire week in some way, shape or form in your life, in your home, with your family, that we would get before God regularly and say, God, align our hearts with your mission. And within that repentance this morning, here's what I would encourage you to pray, rescue me from me. It's our own selfishness, guys, that Jesus has to rescue us from. This isn't a matter of you guys rolling up your sleeves and getting busy to tell everybody in this community about Jesus. This is about you being rescued from your own sin and selfishness, just like me. And the prayer is, God, rescue me from me. Save me from it's better for me syndrome. I want to encourage you to make that prayer. God, rescue me from my own selfishness. Give me a heart that reflects your heart. And then here's the, here's the last thing, return to Nineveh. Whether you like it or not, all of us are stepping out of this building because you can't stay here. We'll kick you out eventually. We're stepping out of this building this morning into Nineveh. And what would it look like if you asked God to show you your own personal Nineveh? To say, God, would you help me draw a circle around a city? Maybe it's not an entire Merritt Island. Maybe, maybe my Nineveh is my street and you're gonna help me draw a circle around the people that live on my street and you're gonna help me turn numbers into names. I'm gonna get to know their stories. I'm gonna be around them. I'm not gonna be too busy to know them. 
I'm not going to worry about being inconvenienced or uncomfortable. I'm going to get to know my neighbors for the sake of Jesus Christ. What if some of you said, I'm going to draw a circle around a nursing home. I'm going to invite some people into this with me. And we're going to go into that nursing home over the next couple of years. Our mission is to make sure every man and woman in that nursing home has a repeated opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from our lips. You stepped into Nineveh. And you said, God, make my heart reflect yours. I want to encourage you to receive the grace and mercy of God that's yours in Jesus. Repent like the Ninevites and turn to Jesus to rescue you from the sin of your own selfishness and then return to Nineveh. Go into this city on mission for Jesus. Because you know what God does? He pours out his power on people who are aligned with his mission to reflect his heart that is full of mercy and grace, that is patient and abounding in steadfast love among the nations. Would you bow your heads with me? You may have blown it in your life. You may feel so extremely lost that you don't even know your right hand from your left. And the good news for you this morning is God is filled with mercy and grace. That he loves you and is patient. He's not angry because Jesus died on the sin, on the cross to take your sin so that he could He could pour out his anger over sin without destroying you in his anger. And this morning, you may need to call on Christ to save you. I want to encourage you, even right now, would you confess your need to be saved from your brokenness and sin? Would you acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that he lived the life you couldn't live, that he died the death you should have died, that he rose again three days later, and would you call on Jesus to save you? And at the close of this service, our pastors will be down front Would you come and speak with a pastor about your relationship with Christ? Some of you, as you're praying, may need to begin praying over your neighbors. Would you you pray even right now for a neighbor, for a coworker, for a person at your school, at your workplace, that is far from God but near to you? Would you ask God that those people would come to know Jesus through your life? that you would show them mercy and grace, patience and love. Would you ask that God would help you identify where he's calling you to live on mission? It may be on your street. It may be around the world. Would you just simply say, God, I will not be like Jonah, but by your grace, I will go where you want me to go to the people who need to hear about Jesus. Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts to love you, to love your heart, and to do so much more than know it. I pray that we would have your heart, that we'd embrace your heart, that we would share your heart for the people of this community. Lord, would you spare us from a guilt-ridden complex say I never can do enough to a joy-filled mission that tells this community Jesus has already done enough. Lord, we love you and we need you and I pray would you send us back to Nineveh today? Would you let us go to people show the love of Jesus? 
Father, thank you that you've sent someone to us to show us the love of Jesus. Give us your heart for everyone we encounter today. In Jesus' name.